0: Browns, talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. For Leans Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
2: And here's a special message from our friends at Ocean State Bird Club. They can't lead their free group walks right now, but they hope you're still getting your outdoor time in by watching birds. Find Ocean State Bird Club online at oceanstatebirdclub.org. Find them on Facebook. And you can tell them what you're seeing as the spring migration continues. Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 779. And if you're a mom, happy Mother's Day from all of us here at Talking Birds. We're all somewhat limited in our physical connections these days, so we're communicating by email and text and phone and Facebook and Zoom. Another nice way to communicate is by audio postcard. And we have another one of those this morning from our own Freya McGregor, who's now a Kentucky-based member of our Talking Birds team. And here she is with another avian-enhanced audio postcard.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Freya McGregor here. Um, I'm sitting under a big tree on the grass on a beautiful, beautiful spring day and I've been sitting here quietly knitting for the last half an hour and an eastern meadowlark has just flown into this tree pretty much, pretty much straight above my head and you can hear him singing and you can... There's other ones replying as well, further away. Um, it's it's really pretty. When, when I walked up here earlier, I flushed maybe five or six from the ground. And I'd seen them around before, but it's so fun to have one straight above my head singing. Uh, there's eastern meadow larks. That's what this guy is because I'm in Kentucky. Uh, there's also western meadow larks, and they look basically exactly the same um, and the only way to tell them apart is by their call I, I certainly couldn't do that although the longer I sit here listening to this guy the more familiar I might get so I'll, uh, I'll say goodbye and learn this call okay see ya
2: Our own Freya McGregor, down there in the beautiful bluegrass state with an audio postcard. Well, International Migratory Bird Day in the Americas is in the books for another year, and so is Global Big Day, billed as birding's biggest day. A little different this year with social distancing in effect, but still tens of thousands of people around the world took part. A great event, another triumph for citizen science. We'll report on results as soon as we get them. report online. Some of the stories and videos we have for you right now on our talkingbirds.com website and our Facebook page. A shout out to our friends here in Massachusetts who will be taking part in Mass Audubon's Birdathon on Friday and Saturday, May 15th and 16th. And we encourage everyone in the Bay State to support the teams, even if you're hearing about this after the fact. Full details are found easily on our talkingbirds.com website and Facebook page. By the way, birdathons are going on all over the country, even though some have been postponed or reconfigured a bit. Local Audubon chapters have details. <laughs> Among the nest cams we'll connect you to this week is a high definition camera setup at a bald eagle nest in northeast Iowa. Thanks to our friend and Talking Birds ambassador, Kevin Reardon, for letting us know about this one. And how about some bird themed games to play while we're stuck inside? Our Mike O'Connor has done some curating for you and has some excellent suggestions. All of the above can be found on our talkingbirds.com website and on our Facebook page right now. Meanwhile, we're happy to report that more and more folks are becoming part of the Talking Birds flock. Great place to chat and share stories and pictures and videos with other Talking Birds listeners. Just go to Facebook.com. And enter Talkin' Bird's flock in the search box and join up. That's the sound of our Mystery Bird. Our contest preview here of our Mystery Bird contest our bird is a small, stocky songbird with an orange yellow face, a gray ear patch, streaked breast and flanks, and a short rounded tail with pointed tail feathers. Our bird is a secretive, skulking fellow, restricted to the salt marshes of the Atlantic and upper Gulf coasts. Its survival is of great concern as rising water levels threaten its nesting territories. Clues in the sound of our mystery bird. Beautiful prizes available from Droll Yankees and our friends at Larkwire. So get ready to call in on our mystery bird contest coming along in just a little bit. Meanwhile...
0: I just want to thank you.
2: We're thankful again today for some great Talking Birds listeners becoming Talking Birds ambassadors, including Barbie F. from Fox Lake, Illinois, not far from the western shore of Lake Michigan. She says thanks for promoting birding and doing the fun-to-listen podcast. Our pleasure, Barbie, and thank you so much for joining the Talkin' Birds ambassadors family. And thank you to Dr. Jim Randall from Long Beach, Mississippi. Jim's a veterinarian there, and he says, I want to mail you an audio file on why I became a Talking Birds ambassador. Thank you, Jim, and I believe we'll hear that audio next week. Still to come on our show today, we're thrilled to welcome David Sibley. As our special guest, he'll tell us about his remarkable new book called What It's Like to Be a Bird. Plus, we'll catch up with the also great Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment, in which Mike will explain why birds get up and start singing so early in the morning. And up next, a warbler that's certainly not among the most colorful, but that's one of our favorites nonetheless, is today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. (laughs) We've all heard the question, is a zebra black with white stripes or white with black stripes? It's a little tricky because zebras have both black and white fur. But as the fur grows from follicles that contain pigment-generating cells, those cells are deactivated in the white fur. So most experts say that that means that black is the default color, and so zebras are black with white stripes. Oddly, maybe, that question doesn't seem to be often asked about today's featured feathered friend, the black and white warbler. It's just described as being boldly striped in black and white. Its wings are mostly black, with two wide white wing bars. Adult males have more clearly defined streaking than the females, especially on the underparts and the cheeks. Individuals of this species winter as far north as Baja, California and Florida and as far south as the northern parts of South America, and the birds breed from much of the eastern and central U.S. way up into northern Canada. Black and white warblers feed by moving along tree trunks and thick branches, probing between bark fibers for grubs and insects, taking advantage of their strong legs and an extra-long hind claw to hold onto the bark. Their song has been described as sounding a bit like a squeaky wheel. Here's a sample. The black and white warbler, Nyotila varia. Today's Talkin' Birds featured Feathered Friend. Welcome again to our show, number 779. Find out more about our show when you get a minute at Talkin' Birds... Dot .com no g in talking david sibley is an award-winning ornithologist and author and illustrator of many books including the famous sibley guide to birds first and second edition the sibley guide to bird behavior and many more and apps too his latest book is called what it's like to be a bird from flying to nesting eating to singing what birds are doing and why and he joins us here this morning to tell us about this new book. Good morning David Good morning Ray Great to have you back with us David and I want to start with a hardball question. I told you I would give you at least one of these and here it is You aren't a bird so how do you know what it's like to be one? <laughs> well <laughs> You think I'm not a bird Well I, maybe I shouldn't have That's a bad premise maybe I. <laughs> uh, um,
0: yeah It I mean, the, the title of this book came. It was a long time coming around trying to figure out how to summarize what's in the book because there's <laughs> a lot of diverse stuff in it. But mm-hmm. um, it's yeah, it's impossible for us to know what it's like to be a bird. There's so many of their senses and their abilities that are so different. Their their breathing is so efficient that they're mm-hmm. essentially never out of breath. Mm-hmm. Um, they they hear more than we do, they see more than we do. They see ultraviolet light, so when they look at a rainbow, they would see a whole extra band of color below violet. And, uh, yeah, so many things. But at the same time, a lot of things are similar and and I think I tried to get at some of that in the book that that the the things that birds are experiencing are in a lot of ways um, similar to Mm. Us, that they're um, you know they're making decisions all the time about what to eat, when to eat, um whether to sit tight and avoid predators or or go out and try to find food. Mm-hmm. All those kinds of uh, daily decisions are are things birds are dealing with,
2: all right. so we we do know what it's like to be a bird then, kind of in certain, <laughs> in some, certain some ways, in yeah some ways, okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, you put this book together in such an interesting way with kind of an extended but fascinating introduction that you describe as sort of an annotated index. Tell us a, a bit, David, about the structure of the book.
0: Yeah, so the book started out as a... Uh, I had an idea for a kid's book, hmm. um, just introducing familiar birds and um, and talking about the things that those birds do. And as I researched those questions of what birds are doing, um, I just was discovering so much fascinating stuff um n- things that were new to me um things i thought i knew that turned out to be wrong and then the, the reality was so much more interesting and amazing than hmm. than i had imagined and so those those essays those little blurbs about what the birds are doing and how they do it became the essentially the whole book um but I still retains this sort of uh, kids' book style of big, colorful illustrations. Um, and every... It's short paragraphs, uh, a couple hundred words in a paragraph, trying to describe one aspect of a bird's life and an illustration to go with that.
2: And you, because of the format of this book, you're able to put full-size uh, pictures uh, or paintings of your, your paintings of birds, in many cases. Life-size paintings.
0: Yeah, that was part of the original plan that stuck with the book through the whole thing. So it's a big eight-and-a-half-by-eleven book, and the left-hand page of every spread is a, a portrait of a familiar species that is then highlighted in a few paragraphs on the opposite page. And I, I wanted to make those portraits life-size, um, mm-hmm. which involved um, you know, I I do the painting the original paintings larger so they can be reduced in the book. So I have now all these portraits of birds that are double life size. Hmm. Um which also <laughs> for the larger species that leads to the challenge of how do you put a life size bald eagle on an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper. <laughs> that is a
2: That is a challenge you'll have to work on. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough yeah. one. Well well you right. could do the Audubon fold out system, perhaps.
0: Right. <laughs> Yeah, I had to pick out some detail of the bird some and mm-hmm. and try to figure out some, some behavior, something the bird would be doing mm-hmm. that would be understandable at, uh, just showing that one little section of the bird. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so to this reader, David, there are many surprises in the book and you have shattered a few myths along the way. There are also some real wow factor paragraphs and I wonder if you'd read what? one of those for us On page 65, it's about the barn owl and its ability not to see in the dark, of course, but to hunt in the dark.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so just amazing research on barn owls. Um, So, even with their excellent hearing, most owls still require some vision to capture prey, but barn owls are able to capture prey in total darkness using sound alone. Experiments have shown that barn owls can pinpoint the location of a mouse from 30 feet away strictly by sound, then fly to that exact spot even if the mouse makes no further sound. They even orient their attack based on the direction in which the mouse is traveling. Imagine walking across your bedroom in total darkness to put your finger on something that made a sound a minute earlier. Now imagine floating across your room. Barn owls can determine the precise direction to their prey because of their ear adaptations. But how do they know the distance? And once they leave their perch and begin flying in total darkness, how do they track their progress in the air and land precisely on a tiny mouse 30 feet away from their starting point? These are unanswered questions.
2: Wow. And I'm not even going to try that, uh, what you suggested there, about going across (laughs) the bedroom. No. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, unanswered questions, and you answer a lot of questions, David, but of course there are so many that aren't answered, and there's one that kind of relates to the barn owl there, and that's the idea about some birds hunting fish underwater at night or diving so deep that it's essentially, or there is essentially no light there. How do yeah. they find the fish? Nobody knows, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, and that I tried to highlight the unanswered questions when, when I could in this book, just to to make it clear that there's a tremendous amount that's still not known about birds, mm-hmm. and even familiar birds. So yeah, the, the thick-billed that dive down to 600 feet or more deep in the ocean, and and even on a bright, sunny day, it's, it's near total darkness at 600 feet down. And nobody knows how they find fish, but they come up with fish from that depth. Mm, um, a lot of cormorants hunt at night, and they're hunting fish underwater at night. Mm. And again, it's not really known how they find and catch fish.
2: Wow! Um, but uh, but they do The cormorants are what the most efficient at catching fish of any creature on the planet. Yeah,
0: that? yeah, yeah. The most efficient marine predator known. They catch more mm. fish per. Per unit of effort than any other animal in the ocean.
2: Wow. Well, here's a kind of a conventional wisdom buster, I thought, and the idea that skeletons of birds have evolved for flight, becoming simpler and stiffer, we always think they're much lighter, they're hollow bones, but you say they're actually not lighter than those of mammals of the same size?
0: yeah yeah someone did a study recently comparing the weight of the skeleton of small mammals and and birds and found that there's no no difference that mm. the percentage of body weight is is similar, but birds have much stiffer um bones stronger and stiffer mm. at the same weight mm-hmm. um, and um and that allows them to have longer bones, so they're so they can have the really long wing bones and long leg bones mm. um, that are still stiff and strong at the same weight as something like a mouse that has um, uh, shorter, uh, shorter and thicker bones. But the, but yeah, a bird skeleton is not it's not. Uh, really lighter weight than other animals wow. of the same size. It's just it's other adaptations that um, hmm. allow them to fly. Well,
2: here's a real myth buster, David. You, we know that snipes are real birds, but that a snipe hunt is a practical joke in which an unwitting person is sent out into the woods with a bag and is expected <laughs> to catch a snipe. So this is where I challenge you, David. You say in the book that no one has ever caught a snipe in a bag, but can you prove that? <laughs>
0: I can't. I can't. That is an assumption. (laughs) Okay. I
2: I knew I would stump you somewhere along the line, but there are so many amazing things in this book, and in case anyone thinks we've covered them all, we have just barely scratched uh, the surface there. David Sibley is the creator of the Sibley Guide to Birds and many other books about birds and nature. His latest must-read book is called What It's Like to Be a Bird from Flying to Nesting, Eating to Singing, What Birds are Doing and Why. Thanks, David. We'll see you out on the trails, I hope, when they all open up again.
0: Yeah, thank you, Ray. Stay healthy.
2: Thank you. You too. Coming up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute.
0: What's one of your favorite memories?
1: Hmm, let's see. Well, there was this one time I went snorkeling in the Caribbean when I was a kid. It really just blew my mind. I mean, when you're sitting on the beach, it's so peaceful and... You sort of forget there's a whole other world under there, just full of all kinds of life. We saw the most beautiful corals. I remember thinking they were waving at us as they moved with the ocean. And then there were all these amazing fish. They kind of reminded me of tropical birds. They were so bright and colorful, just darting all over the place like birds in the sky. I'll never forget it. It completely changed the way I look at the ocean. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made
0: for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org.
2: Our mystery bird contest is presented by Birdwatchers Digest. Birdwatchers Digest is much more than a magazine. Explore their publications, events, online birding store, and birding tours at birdwatchersdigest.com. Our mystery bird contest here, the mystery bird sounds like this. It's a small, stocky songbird with an orange-yellow face, a gray ear patch, streaked breast and flanks, and a short, rounded tail with pointed tail feathers. It's a secretive, skulking fellow restricted to the salt marshes of the Atlantic and upper Gulf coasts. And just a side note, its survival is of great concern as rising water levels threaten its nesting territories. Beautiful prizes this morning. And how about this for mom? This would be a nice gift for mom, who's a birder or backyard birder on your list. It's the Droll Yankees Chickadee Feeder, the cute chickadee feeder not just for chickadees. And it lets you manage the size of visiting birds with its height adjustable dome and its four and a half diameter dish. Holds a cup of sunflower seed, mixed seed, fruit, or mealworms. And we have a bonus prize. It's the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Another fun gift. This is from our friends at Larkwire. It's the Larkwire app, and it's available as a download to your iOS device or online. So, prizes, clues, and the sound of our mystery bird. What do you think it is? Just give us a call and tell us. Take your guess. 781-837-4900. Remember, no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. So you could be a winner without getting the exactly correct answer. Or even close. 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900 is the number. Please call us as soon as you can. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. (laughs)
1: talking birds we're for the birds and we want to say thanks to another talking birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation
0: my name is chris rohr and i'm from tucson arizona i became a talking birds ambassador to help people when i guide or when i'm at tucson audubon and people always ask me where do i get this information well this is from the show and i think the show is wonderful Being a Talkin' Birds ambassador has allowed me to pass on lots of information to other people who aren't necessarily birders but are interested in birds. You should become a Talkin' Birds ambassador because it helps everyone to understand our world
1: of birds. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassador's family. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Join today and thanks.
2: (music) Mike O'Connor is down there at the famous, legendary Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, and he is with us right now, I believe. Good morning, Mike.
3: Hey, good morning, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there.
2: Indeed. And Mike, in case you weren't up early this morning, we want to uh, serenade you here with a little dawn chorus. Pretty nice, huh?
3: Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. I should have gotten up earlier. early... Well, you don't know, have to get up now, Can you play it for me Now day. you
2: know what it sounds like, so you can, yeah, uh, we can work out check a it out Will sometime. Will you call
3: me around 10 o'clock and play that for me? I won't have to get up.
2: <laughs> well, it's quite an amazing phenomenon, isn't it, the dawn chorus that we can enjoy around these... Uh, temperate parts of the world
3: especially right oh it is and you know it's funny how things you flip when you get older when i remember when i was a kid i'd you know be a spring morning and have the windows open and the birds just start singing like four o'clock i am be going oh my gosh shut the windows who can stand that racket <laughs> but now you know as you become a bird it becomes it's really interesting and and you wonder why why they get up so early why why they start singing it's such like the early part of the day, and, you know, of course, scientists like to think about everything, so they they wonder about that, and one of the theories is, first of all, that um, nighttime's tough for birds. The, um, they can get, uh, you know, if, they, if the male makes it through the night, he wants to make, wake up and announce his territory, if he's on a territory, to all the other birds. Now, what's the, the birds that sound the loudest to me are the the cardinals and the robins and the catbirds and my dad's always like 4 o'clock in the morning and the birds that wake up the earliest with the most energy advertise that they are the fittest male that they should have a partner that they should be be able to mate with uh, available female and if they are already on the territory they're announcing to the other males stay out this is my area and what sounds like the same robin or the same 2 or 3 robins to us is very clearly different to the other robins because each male has its own particular song mm-hmm. that sounds the same to us but the, each male knows that's a different bird and to stay out of that territory. So they wake up early to, to sing the other th- the reason is it's kind of too early to do anything else. They can't really <laughs> forage at that time of day it's too dark. Mm-hmm. so they can't really spend their day doing anything else. So they get up early they defend their territory but they need to wait for the sun to come up before they can start foraging and also it's darker so the predators can't find them as mm-hmm. easy so they can they can feel a little bit bold about singing that time of day and the other reason is they think it's um, you know this kind of go they go kind of go back and forth with this but they think, think the morning air is just clearer the sound mm-hmm. carries and they can make the birds can make their statement a little bit louder mm-hmm. and they can announce their particular version of the call and it doesn't get muffled with all the sounds of the, the wind mm-hmm. when the sun comes up and the daily activities
2: all right really really be heard i remember johnny carson on the tonight show he used to talk about how you'd hear those beautiful bird sounds in the morning and he would lean over and take his clock radio and throw it at the windows I do <laughs> yeah uh, the old days
3: of the clock radio
2: thank you mike talk to
3: you next okay, week okay we'll talk to you next
0: week Greg.
2: all right mike o'connor down there at the legendary bird watchers general store on cape cod orleans to be exact for over a quarter century bird Watching magazine has been north america's premier magazine about wild birds and birding Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. We're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. This is the bird. We're trying to identify a small stocky songbird with an orange-yellow face, a gray ear patch, streaked breast and flanks, and a short, rounded tail with pointed tail feathers 781-837-4900 is the number to call beautiful prizes from Droll ya- uh, Yankees and Larkwire and Caroline, I believe it is is in here with us from the beautiful uh, Massachusetts town of Situate. good morning, Caroline
1: good morning, good morning. happy Mother's
2: Day well thank you so much, happy Mother's Day to you and to uh, to everybody can celebrate Mother's Day, right, whether you're a mom or not it's a, it's a holiday after all Okay, so the mystery bird, um, Caroline, what do you uh, what do you think it is? Baltimore Oriole. Baltimore Oriole. What confidence you have there, perhaps slightly misplaced in this case. Um, sorry, you're going to be surprised, I guess. That was uh, not the bird that we had in mind. Oh. But thank too- you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Caroline. Will you try us again when you get of over course. it? We
1: love your show.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Caroline. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay not a baltimore Oriole, not what we had in mind for this particular one but earlier in the show we welcomed a new ambassador from the near the shores of lake michigan that was barbie in fox lake illinois and we now say hello to jake in chicago illinois right there on lake michigan good morning jake good morning ray good morning thanks for calling in there how are things in in the windy city Uh, A little
0: rainy and cold today, but otherwise, great.
2: Okay. Well, we have sun here, so maybe we can send it in that direction. I think it usually goes the other way, but we'll work on it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, what do you say, Jake? You heard all the clues and all that on our mystery bird. What do you say it is? I'm going to say the salt marsh sparrow. Pretty good for a guy from Chicago. (laughs) I don't know what I meant by that, but... Anyway, congratulations, Jake. Thank you. And Thank Stan, you. stay on the line. We'll get your info there. Thanks, Jake. We're out of time. Sorry. Thanks so much. See you next week.
0: It's a bird show. I like that. Ray Brown's talking birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod birdwatchersgeneralstore.com buy birds and beans shade-grown bird-friendly coffee birdsandbeans.com
2: and here's a special message from our friends at ocean state bird club they can't lead their free group walks right now but they hope you're still getting your outdoor time in by watching birds find ocean state bird club online at oceanstatebirdclub.org find them on facebook And you can tell them what you're seeing as the spring migration continues. Ocean State Bird Club.